What is up, everyone? My name is JB. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the energy for the rest of you know our program today. But my name is JB. I am joined here by Celeste, our outreach coordinator, and our head pastor, Pastor Seth Yolorda. Um, and we just want to, first of all, welcome you to the recall. We're going to be going into the word a little bit more, um, specifically going from having conversation from what we had discussed in the sermon um, this past weekend. And we want to see where the Spirit's going to lead us in conversation, and we want to do it together. So um, I'm excited to continue this. Um, and um, yeah, so Pastor Seth, um, I want you to kind of just remind us of what was the topic and what, what, did, we, what did we talk about this past this past weekend? Yeah, great question. Um, and thank you guys for taking time to watch and to join. Uh, this last Saturday, so if you've been watching our messages for the last five weeks, yeah. we've been in this series called Pivot. And the whole idea around Pivot is that we are living in pivotal, a pivotal situation, pivotal times. And in pivotal times, we have to make changes and adjustments to our lives. Um, and that is in light of like COVID-19 and the social unrest and police brutality and everything that's been going on in our country. Yeah. Um, and so we've been talking about pivoting towards our community, pivoting towards God, pivoting towards the church. And this last week we talked about pivoting in our purity, specifically mm. our sexual purity. Mm. And it's interesting because I don't honestly, I don't preach a lot of relationship sexual purity messages. Mm. I don't know why, um, but I just felt like this was going to be a relevant topic for you know, the church and for mm. people who are watching. Um, and so I essentially just came from a few different passages, but the whole idea is that, you know, all of us have been called in this Christian walk to run a race, that our mm. Christian experience is an endurance race. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that along the way, we have to make sure, number one, that we have the right shoes, but then number two, that everything is working with our shoes. And the, really the main analogy I used was having a pebble. That if you're trying to run a marathon and you have a small, very small, insignificant pebble in your shoe, it may not bother you for the first quarter mile, but when you get into the heart of the marathon, that pebble is going to feel like a boulder in your shoe and it's going to weigh you down. And I essentially just relayed how this pebble um, is sexual sin. Mm. Right, it's something that people can't see. It's something that's hidden. Yeah. Um, no one really knows about it. But over time, if we hold on to it, um, it will eventually slow us down. And then, worst case scenario, um, is it will take us out the race because the pain mm. will become so great that it will um, we'll just have to disqualify, be disqualified because mm. of it. Right. And so we just talked about sexual sin and um, how God has called us to overcome, to cast off this sexual sin. And I uh, gave a few points on how we can overcome it. And uh, that was really the, the heart of, of the message. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that recap. And I think it was a, I think it was a really powerful um, and message because you're right. I don't think it's as common now, I guess, in just the modern church world, I guess, um, talking so much about uh, you know, sexual sin and, and kind of addressing it. So this is, I'm, I'm excited for this, this topic. Um, it might be a little, might be a little bit too, too. It might hit a little bit too close to home for some of us, but um, I think it's an important topic nonetheless. Um, but um, you know what? Uh, you said struggling, struggling with sexual impurities is as similar as you said um, to an like an endurance race and not a sprint, right? Um, so in what? I'm, I'm just curious off top in the the very beginning. So like, how does how does struggling with something just as little as a pebble where no one can see it? Um, how does that um, that struggle equate to being something like why can't I just why can't I just take it off or you know just just let me just run the race first like let, let me just run the race and and worry about that after why is it such an endurance race like how is that even how do you process that as an endurance type of race well it's not so much that the sexual sin is an endurance it's our Christian experience is an endurance right mm. so our Christian journey you know when you accept Christ. I mean, there's some people who are watching that you've been walking this Christian road for 20, 30, 40 years, right? We got some members who are seasoned, mature believers. Mm -hmm. So it's an endurance race. It's not just, you know, man, I, I was moved by the message. I came down and then all my issues are gone and I'm perfect. Like, no, there is a, it's what we call sanctification, which is the process of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so because your Christian experience, your Christian journey is an endurance race, then you need to make sure that you surround yourself with 
cheerleaders who are going to cheer you on, right? Mm. Accountability. Cheerleaders are going to cheer you on in the race. You want to make sure you have the right equipment. You know, you don't want to run. If you can avoid it, you don't want to run a marathon in sweatpants, right? Because right. it's just going to be tough, right, right, to go the distance. And so that's really the connection. And, and the sexual sin is just that. It's that pebble in our, in our shoe that over time will eventually take us out, wow. you know? And it becomes, I think, the reality with sexual sin is it's not so much the actual sin itself that affects us as much as if you're really trying to walk with God and then you're harboring this hidden sexual sin, like it just affects your spirit. Like you get mm. discouraged, you know, you feel like, man, why can't I overcome this thing? And it just, you know, it just weighs on you and it starts introducing all types of maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't overcome. Maybe this is just who I'm going to be. And, and so it affects your, I mean, in addition to you and get indulging in, you know, this behavior, it just affects your whole your faith, your walk, your mm. belief about who you are and who Christ has called you to be. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah, you, you said uh, we, we kind of want social, we want cheerleaders on our back, right? We want, you mentioned that, you know, we want people to, you know, for others, being there for others and also wanting people to be there for us, um, to cheer us on during our race. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about the social circles and how much influence um, have your social circles been um, especially in regards to, you know, sexual sin and, and, you know, the struggle that you, you, you possibly had. Cause I mean, I think it's, I think it's inevitable that, you know, as humans, like something, uh, sexual sin is like inevitable, you know, um, as just breathing humans here on earth, like it's just bound to, to, to be one of the struggles that we go through. And so, um, I, I would say sexual temptation, temptation is inevitable. Right. Right. Like, right. I don't think I that, Not that's what I yeah, mean. I don't think that you have, like, it's inevitable that you're going right. to struggle. Right. 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 But, right. Because we are sexual beings and sexuality is is kind of woven into the core of who we are, like, you know, yeah. the temptation is going to be there. That's right. And yeah, that's what I meant. So um, what kind of experience have you guys had um, in terms of, you know, your social circles and how much influence have they pressed on you, you know, whether for beneficial or not? Yeah, I think for me personally it has affected me in both ways. Mm. Um, so I was, you know, introduced to the concept of sex from a very young age. Right. Um, my, thankfully, my parents, you know, taught us what sex was. Yeah. And even though I like, it was a little uncomfortable, I'm glad that they were able to explain to me what it meant, what it was, what the repercussions were. Mm. But it also made me very curious. And so mm. because it was still in kind of an uncomfortable topic, I started learning about things from my friends and mm. also even from boys more specifically that, you know, liked me or whatever. And yeah. so they started, you know, telling me things and asking for things. And and um, it really, I think, started me off in my journey with sexual temptation and sin in a very detrimental way mm. to my own personal walk. Mm. And it was, yeah, it started off, you know, just being introduced to it in a, in a way that, that caused me to, to sin and to wow. struggle. And it led me and it, like, like you mentioned, it was something that I struggled with for a very long time, for many, many years. And I wouldn't even say that it's something, you know, that I don't struggle with anymore, but it's something that that was a lot harder for me. Well, I'm just know. curious. I mean, I have small girls, and so I'm always thinking, like, man, how do I introduce them? Yeah. How do I make sure that yeah. they don't learn it at school but learn it at home? And I'm just wondering, from your experience, do you think that there could have been something different? Like, what could yeah. have put you on a different path, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think, um, I think, well, the first thing was that the age that I was at developmentally when I started learning about it from other people was the age that my parents got divorced. So, you know, first things first, you know, you're doing it right. You and Holly are together. So mm -hmm. I will say that will definitely okay. help, okay. you know, so keep, keep stay doing together. that, stay together. Um, so for me, that was a big thing. It okay. was not having my father figure in my life just for a couple years. You know, yeah. he was still there. Our just, our relationship was changed, changed yeah. and damaged. And I felt like I needed that male figure in my mm -hmm. life. And so I would say for you personally to continue mm -hmm. to have that relationship with your girls and just tell them how loved they are by you because I didn't feel loved. Mm. And so it caused me to turn to other, other people. Yeah, yeah. Other people, which I think happens to a lot of people yeah. in different ways. So I yeah. would say 
that for sure. And then also just keep talking to them about it mm-hmm. in ways that make sense for them at the age that they're at mm-hmm. too. Because mm-hmm. my parents kind of mm-hmm. like talked about it to us when we were kids and then kind of just like left it, left it and stopped uh, as we got older and yeah. would just kind of ask like random questions that didn't necessarily weren't comfortable because we didn't have that foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I mean, my parents, you know, are still together and have been, you know, married all of my, my life. Um, and we grew up in the church as well, but my introduction to sex and sexuality, as I mentioned, I, I don't remember my parents. Actually, I remember the first time they had a conversation with me is my dad. I was in high school. My dad found a condom and actually my mom found a condom in the washing machine. <laughs> That was from my from my pants. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a used condom. It was still the wrapper. How old were you? I was in high school, so I was probably ninth, tenth grade, maybe. Okay, okay. Um, and so that was honestly, at least from what I can remember, that was like the first conversation mm. that we had about me and sex, mm. right, and sexuality. And I'll never forget it. My mom, she was doing the laundry. She found it. It was dinner time. My dad was sitting at the table. And I think she walked up to the table and she dropped it on the, <laughs> she dropped it on the table, and she was like, "You need to talk to your son about this." Oh, and I was goodness. like, sitting, "I feel like I was sitting right there, right." And so my dad was like, uh, "Are you having sex?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. I got it from like, because I was in basketball team, so we used to travel to like other schools and yeah. you know gas stations. They would have these condom like dispensaries yeah. you, okay. for a quarter. And so I got it for, literally. I got it from like one of those, right? <laughs> and my dad was like, "Are you having sex?" And I was like, "No, I got it from the restroom at the gas station." And he was like, "All right, as long as you're not having sex, it's okay." Wow. And that was it. That was it. Wow. That was it. Like that, that was, was yeah. that was the conversation. I'll <laughs> never forget it. You know. And so for me, it's like I didn't really, you know, can't. Sit yeah. me down and say, "This is your value. This is your worth. Yeah. This is this is why you should save yourself." Now, I had, you know, obviously Sabbath school teachers and other people who were a positive influence. Yeah. Um, and obviously, no fault to my parents; they're great parents, and they did, you know, everything that I believe they could have in the moment for what they knew. Right. But I think all of us have a different kind of introduction to sex and sexuality, oh, yeah. and um, man, it's grace of God that you know we any of us make it out, you know, right. um, and are able, are able to overcome. And to your point, Celeste, I mean, the struggle is still real. It's yeah. not like, it's so funny because, you know, s- s- my sexuality is something that I struggled with through high school, through college, even when I was in my master's, like it was still just a part of my, my life. Mm. And there was always this thought that I had, like, well, when I become a pastor, like, that's when I'll overcome. Like, that's when, like, as soon as I mount that sacred desk, Ooh. like, all, yeah. like, it'll be okay. Like, yeah. victory will come. Like, let me just get to the desk. And uh, didn't happen, yeah. right? You get behind that sacred desk, and it's like, you still bring all of your issues, your baggage, your burdens. Right. You, the, 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 step, the, the pebble is still in your shoe, mm. even while you're up preaching to people, mm. right? And so, even through my experience, it was, I mean, it's, the, the crowd, the cheerleaders that I've had around me that have helped me was like other pastor friends of mine and family of mine who I had to make a pact with, a covenant with, like, hey, this is something I'm struggling with. This is something they're struggling with. Let's pray together. Let's hold each other accountable. Like, you have to be intentional, right? Yeah. Similarly, if you're running a race, yeah. you just can't ignore the pebble. Like, at some point, you have to stop, take off your shoe, you know, put some Neosporin on the bandage, on, your, on the wound, bandage it up, and then put your shoe back on and hopefully still be able to run the race. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I um, thinking about the the cheerleaders and how um, there's <laughs> there's honesty and there's like transparency that yeah. you guys had both shared in your guys' stories. Um, when I was younger, um, I was able to experience um, a I was able to experience like an Indonesian community where we were um, well, at least in terms of like all the kids and all ages in, in my group were rather transparent with each other and I was blessed to have a a mentor who was a few years older than me I want to say um I think he's about six seven years older than me um and he was kind of like the big brother for all of the guys and so he was like the big brother and um we he knew that we already knew about these things like he we knew he knew that we knew about masturbation we knew about pornography um, you know, we knew about these things and he already knew that. And what he did was that, that what I felt like was really useful just for me in my developmental stages was that he offered, like he said that 
he offered his he offered his vulnerability in in that hey you guys can be completely real and you guys can be completely honest with me um um just know that i won't be telling um your parents what what you talk to me you know unless it's crazy and or severe or you know whatever right exactly so he had his boundary but he was clear and in in uh, and honest that like hey you guys can come to us with whatever right and so he became kind of like that that mentor for me and, and and just growing up and i felt like it was it was somebody that not even like my cousins my close cousins um who who were just a few years older than me who are dudes you know i felt comfortable talking to um and so like i don't know i felt like in you know a small way like uh throughout my in my church experience i was able to kind of have like a small um glimpse of like honest conversation but like really effective uh transparency i don't know mm-hmm. like it was just like i felt like i was able to meld like yo i got this from my church community and, and you know kind of like talking to other people talk, talking to other people uh after i kind of left that church um i realized that not everybody had that that similar experience mm-hmm. and so i don't know i just felt like just that that, that topic of uh of being honest you mm-hmm. know having you know i feel like we always preach a lot right, of of being honest um being honest and having hard conversations within our church um and i think i would even extend that further um to to having appropriate guidelines and measures to having honest conversations with um those who are younger than us the our youth and our kids but uh, again of course with proper boundaries um but i feel like that's i feel like that's useful and i feel like that can be like just key to just a developing christian woman or male so no that's super um amazing no i'm i love that i think it's um you touched on something that i think was really important for me as well i unfortunately didn't feel like i had that i think i did but in the back of my head i didn't know it mm. until college and um. so um i think one thing that you mentioned is that honest and transparency without fear of not necessarily consequence but like fear of getting in trouble because I think when you're a kid or you're young, you feel like, Oh shoot. Like if I tell this person what I'm struggling with or anyone, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to judge me. Mm. They're going to tell my parents and get me in trouble. And so I think for me, that was always why I was afraid to talk to people about Mm, it because I was so afraid of what my parents were going to say to me or do because of what I was doing. And so once I got to college, I joined um, this Christian fellowship mm. and there they had a huge um, level of accountability, this culture of accountability. Mm. And so um, I was able to have an accountability partner where I was able to have extremely transparent conversations with this woman about what I was struggling with. And she would tell me what she was struggling mm. with. And there, it was a judgment-free zone. And so I think mm. that's what's really important that you're touching on mm. is to be able to have that trust with someone where you feel like you're not going to be judged or condemned so that you can actually talk about these things mm. and move to a healthy place after being, being able to be like, okay, I can... I can say this and they're not going to, you know, nothing terrible is going to happen. But what did that look like for you within that context of Mm -hmm. the Christian fellowship? Like would people ask you, Hey, Celeste, have you, are you staying pure or would you just like, what did that, what did that kind of look like? Yeah, no. So, so they, um, so I would, we would meet on like a weekly basis. Um, you know, it wouldn't always necessarily be around sexuality, but just in general, but we would always bring up the topic, you know, mm. how are you doing, you know, with your sex, sexuality, with your purity. And so that would be things that we, we, we would be intentional about talking about them. And we would, you know, we had gotten to a place prior to that where we had shared our struggles. And so we knew already what our temptations were and what our struggles were. And so we were able to intentionally ask each other, you know, Mm. how are you doing? And then being able to give each other advice on, okay, like, you know, maybe this is what helps, what's helped me, or this is what you should do, or these are the boundaries that you should Mm. set up. Wow. Yeah. That's, I I don't think I've ever heard of anything of like of uh, like where it's like that structured of like a yeah like in a christian even especially in yeah. a christian matter of like accountability partners yeah. in that way um yeah and it's crazy wow. because i'm still like we still do that to this day oh, wow. you know like it's not as structured because you know we're both older and we're both out of college and so yeah. there's not necessarily like this requirement because we're in this fellowship but we were able to continue that relationship where we are able to still be open and honest with each other oh, wow. about 
those struggles and and pray for one another and lift each other up in those things. I mean, that's so necessary. I mean, that's so important. Um, there are, you know, you know, but the, Jesus talks about when the disciples went to Jesus, Mark 9, don't quote me on that, when the disciples were trying to cast out a demon from this, a fa- from a son, the father brought the son and said, hey, my, mm. my son is demon-possessed. Can you cast him out? The disciples tried. They couldn't do it. And Jesus showed up, and Jesus was like, you know, some things only come up by prayer and fasting. I feel like in that text, it's almost like Jesus is giving us a window that there are some struggles, some sins, some issues that we deal with that it takes more than just you and your own prayer closet. Like there's mm. some, like there's levels to this thing, right? Yeah. And there's some things that are just so ingrained in our DNA mm-hmm. that we need each other. We need help. We need accountability. You know, we might need even some type of intervention, right? Mm-hmm. Some yeah. type of, you know, me checking into some facility of some sort to right. really get help, right. Right? right? That I don't, you know, and that's not anything to be ashamed of, mm-hmm. honestly. It's something to to recognize our frailty, to recognize our humanity, and to recognize that, man, if I'm going to live my up to my potential and run the race that God has set before me, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. Right. Um, you all know I do CrossFit. And one of the reasons, well, it's not really CrossFit anymore. <laughs> right. It's called fitness, Kindle fitness. But the, one of the reasons why I, I do this, right, is because of the coaching. Right. Uh, I also have a garage gym. Yeah. Right. So I could just obviously go into my garage gym, but I choose two or three times a week to go to the actual, you know, gymnasium the, the the box the crossfit box because there's coaches there and i know yeah. these coaches are going to push me yeah, i know they're going right. to help me they're going to support me that i'm not going to get just in my garage right mm-hmm. and so i think when it comes to overcoming and reaching certain goals we have to be willing to you know have a coach you know accountability mm-hmm. a friend yeah. a partner yeah. who can look and say you know what your form's not really right on that bike squat do mm-hmm. this or tweak this yeah. or they can say you know what jb I, you're really struggling in this area. Like we need to really work on that. Right. Or they can yeah. look at us. They're not impressed with us. They love us. Yeah. And so they're going to be truthful. Right. Yes. If they're impressed with us, yeah. then they may not be truthful. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's but right. if they're not impressed, like they love us, they support us, but they're going to be truthful and honest with us. Yeah. And I would say to even add on to that is in that topic of kind of like boundaries is knowing who, who you can and can't have mm-hmm. as someone to keep you accountable. I know for myself, I can't have a male accountability partner, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, there's regardless of whether, you know, we're just friends, I would never want to put myself in that situation where I'm talking about what I'm literally struggling with yeah. to a guy who might, you know, you know, yeah. I might cause him to struggle right. because yeah. of what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. And so I think that's also important is, on that topic of like not having them be impressed with us is mm-hmm. we have to be on the level with that person where you both know, like I'm not also going to be causing you to struggle yep. while I'm, you know, telling you what I'm struggling mm-hmm. with. Yep. Yep. Very good. So let me ask both of you. Let me ask the both of you um, uh, on a scale of one to 10, a 10 being very high, uh, uh, how important now, oh, of course, um, let me preface. Ultimately this is, you know, like this, the struggle that we have, you know, um, you know, with, with sexual sin is going to be between ourselves and with God, right? Mm-hmm. But on a scale of one to ten, how important do you feel like it is um, to place ourselves in good, uh, encouraging social circles that will keep us accountable, um, but um, being brutal, brutally honest as well? Scale of one to ten, how oh, important? A uh, hundred. Yeah. Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> ten. Yes. yes. Ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think the, you know, and in, in our watchers, listeners, they can look it up. There's an interview that Kirk Franklin did with Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, this is when Oprah still had her show, and they were talking about his addiction to porn. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, he said that his addiction to porn started when he was a kid, and one day he went into his pastor, and he told his pastor right of his church, like, yeah. man, this is what I'm struggling with, and the pastor said to him. Something to the effect of it's okay, like everyone struggles with it, mm. right? And when the Kirk Franklin said, when the pastor said that to him, he was like, he basically emboldened and empowered the sin in him. Wow. Because rather than Kirk Franklin leaving the room feeling like, I can have victory, yeah. he left the room feeling like, this is just, yeah. uh, this meant for me to struggle. Mm. And wow. from that point forward, he struggled with it. He he goes on to tell his story that wow. to the point where one day wow. 
you know, and this is now he's a recording artist, has produced all these great art albums, and he's still struggling with pornography. He has a magazine in his car. He says that he's driving home. He stops at a gas station. He throws a magazine in the trash can in the dumpster. He drives home, gets in bed with his wife, but the pull on him was so great. He gets out of bed, gets back into his car, drives back to the dumpster, wow. gets oh, wow. in the dumpster and pulls out the magazine. Wow. Right. And, and when he's telling his story, all I could help but think about was how that pastor spoke a word, probably, you know, wasn't, you know, in sincerity, was trying yeah. to make him feel like it's okay. Right. But that word that he spoke, you know, he spoke a word that really emboldened and empowered the sin in him as opposed to saying, you know what, young man, you can experience victory. You know what, young man, you're going to overcome this. Like, right. this is not going to be a part of your life. Rather than speaking life, the pastor, knowingly or unknowingly, spoke death. Wow. over him. And so when you say how important is it to have people in around you, it is so important yeah. because literally life and death is at the power of tongue. And if you come and you tell me I'm struggling in this area and I don't affirm the good in you and really encourage you that, you know what, you're going to finish this race. You're going to be okay. It's almost like, you know, if you're running a race, a marathon or, or playing basketball, whatever. And if you have people who are like disparaging and talking down to you, it's going to affect your psyche, yeah. right? And you're not going to be able to perform as well. Um, so it's it's so crucial. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Agree. Um, you know, you guys, we talked about something you mentioned in your sermon, something about sexual purity and sexual perfection. What are the two? Can you help elaborate? What are the two? Because, you know, when I first heard the sermon, I was like, yo, like, this is like, it's, it's tough. Like, um. I'm still struggling with my own like personal sexual sins. And so like, how am I, like I'm listening to it and my first response was like, this was tough, but you obviously went and, and you explained it. So can you explain to her again, to our readers and, and, and listeners? Yeah, and it's, it's super nuanced and there's, you know, obviously I don't think there's like a technical definition between the difference between yeah. the two. I just feel like too often as Christians, we beat ourselves up because we're not perfect, Yeah. right? And I don't want anyone to feel like, perfection is the goal. Right. I want people to feel like direction is the goal, mm. right? Mm. And so mm. as long as you are moving in the direction of purity, right? right? Meaning I'm today I'm going to make a choice to not look at porn. Today I'm going to make a choice not to masturbate. Today I'm going to make a choice that if I feel the temptation, I'm going to call my friend, I'm going to call my accountability partner. Yeah. Like, like today I'm not going to watch any rated R movies. Like today... I'm going to not watch anything that has explicit sexual content. Like I'm going to make a decision today to move in the direction of mm. purity as opposed to feeling like um, perfection, which is really like a state, right? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a state rather than I'm not just a, rather than a direction, like the, the, the process of becoming pure in Christ. Mm. You no, know? I don't know. Make... No, that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. for me. I'm thinking of an example for myself and as I mentioned so for me it was for me I constantly was seeking approval from men yeah. males guys um through this avenue of sex not necessarily because I was wanting sex but because I was wanting the attention and that's what mm. that's what mm. got it you know so mm. it was like for me it was like okay I want this affirmation from this person so you're telling me that's what I have to do to, to receive your affirmation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Wow. And so, so, um, uh, on the note of, you know, what you're talking about, I had gotten to a place where I had, you know, cut off ties with the people that I was hooking up with yeah. in college. And, um, I remember there was this one moment where I just was like, it, I was really struggling at school. I was really stressed and I was just needing some affirmation. And so I actually reached back out mm. to one of the people that I had, that I had wow. hooked up with. Wow. And, you know, we had set a time to meet up, to hang out. And I think maybe like a, an hour or two before I, I canceled it. Mm. And so like, for me, I see that as an example mm. of, you know what I had, you know, made these steps. And then even though I was, you know, going to relapse, whatever you want right, to call it, right. I had, I was able to like talk to one of my friends, my friend about it. And I told her and she was just like, you know what, just, just cancel, just mm -hmm. cancel on him. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to cancel. And so like, for me, I just see it as it, I'm not, obviously 
I'm not perfect. I wasn't able to just cut it off and say the temptation's mm-hmm, right. no longer there. Right. It mm-hmm. was obviously still there to the point where I literally said, let's do this. Yeah. And then, you know, to be able to take a step back and say, you know what, let, I'm going to change my mind. I think, I, I don't know. I just see that yeah. as like one of one That's of direction. the direction. Yeah. No, that yeah. was, that was the pivotal yeah. moment. Yeah. Pivot, pivot. No, legit. I think that was definitely a pivotal, pivotal <laughs> moment. Um, no, cause for sure you definitely had that moment where despite you leading up and, and, you know, taking the steps in, you know, doing something that you might have not wanted to do, yeah. you were able to just, you legit, no, legit jokes aside, you pivoted away <laughs> from that. True. Um, so That's a good example. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you for, thank you for sharing. Um, and also both of you, I, I, I appreciate your guys' transparency, um, and vulnerability that you guys are bringing, coming on, um, you know, on here and just being being real and being honest, yeah. um, you know, there, there's there's something else I want to talk about here. You guys, so um, Seth had mentioned kind of like three solution points, right, mm-hmm. um, towards the end, and kind of just three things that he kind of wanted us to, to to remind us of. Um, the first one, and you can add on to it and, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. change it if, I, if, if I'm incorrect on these, but the first one was um, um, God knows what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, God knows what we're doing at all times. And the second one you're saying is, God has compassion and God um, doesn't, won't commend, commend, condemn, 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 sorry, God won't condemn, right? And then the the third one is ultimately when we keep a close proximity with God, Mm -hmm. our sexual sin um, will be alleviated. What would be the word you would be, you would Uh, use? I think it's, I mean, I don't know if it's causation Uh (laughs) as much as it's correlation. Correlation. Uh I think and maybe causation. I don't know. I, I feel like, um, I mean, l- just look at the text. There's so many texts. He will keep you in perfect peace if you keep his mind stayed on you, on stayed on them, mm. stayed on him, right? So the idea is that if you keep your mind on Christ, he's going to keep you in a state of peace, a state of serenity, a mm-hmm. state of humility, a state of surrender by keeping your mind on him. Mm. Um, the main text that we use for the sermon was Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. The Hebrews 12 talks about how we need to cast off the weight that so easily besets us. And then verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so Mm. it's almost like the author of Hebrews is saying, if you're going to cast off the weight, the way that you do that is by keeping your eye on the prize, by keeping your eyes on Uh. Jesus, right? And so I think there is some heavy correlation between an individual's ability to walk in victory and their daily practice of abiding in the presence of God, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like right, the more right. you spend, more time you spend. I mean, obviously, if there's if that's not a strong correlation, then what are we doing, right? Mm-hmm. Then why are we here? Like if we're saying, hey, you know, have a relationship with God, have a relationship with God, and if that relationship with God doesn't somehow translate to victory, to you overcoming, to you experiencing all that God has in store for you, like what exactly are we doing, right? Mm. Um, and that's not just to say that God is a rabbit's foot or God is some type of genie in a bottle that would just help us live our best lives. Yeah. But I think that it is saying that when you spend time with God in intimate relationship with him, you bear fruit, right? Mm-hmm. You bear fruit and that fruit is love, joy, peace, humility, long-suffering, yeah. goodness, you know, joy. Mm. Um, and so I... Self-control, too. Self-control, <laughs> very much so, exactly, you know. Um, that's a good one. And so, yeah, I think that's, you know, a, one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Yeah. And so right. I can't... I, obviously, there's some anomalies out there, but I would be... Show me someone who has a close, intimate walk with God and yet who is currently actively struggling with sexual sin. Like, I want, like... like Every time I've struggled, let me just use myself. Every time I've struggled with sexual sin, there has been a break in my relationship with God, right? Mm. Um, maybe not cognitively, like, oh, yeah, I still believe, mm-hmm. but, like, my time with him, yeah. like, sure. the yeah. my, my intentionality, you know, yeah. the level of intimacy. Like, are you really – and that's kind of what I challenged our listeners on Saturday was, like, are you really spending time, right? If you're really spending time with God, um, I, just, I just fundamentally believe that God will – through the power of his Holy Spirit, he will begin the transformative process in your life. Mm. Now, to Celeste's point, that doesn't mean you don't need accountability, Yeah. yeah. right? Because you could be spending time with God and God's like, Seth, you need some accountability. Yeah. No, I got this. I got this, God. I got this. No, like you need some, you need to, you need to move from, 
across the street from the strip club. Yeah. Like, you live across the street from the strip club. I don't care how much time you spend with me. Move from across the street. From, like, just like, there's yeah. some practicality yeah, yeah. in it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's where the victory comes. That as you are spending time with God, God begins to inform you, direct you, order your steps. And as you're mm-hmm. listening and obeying, you'll find yourself positioning, being positioned for victory. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah, so... Um, so that was the third point, right? And so just going, I kind of want to go through these rather quickly. And I want to hear what you guys just think, you know, God knowing everything. And so um, to that first point, right? Um, uh, Seth, you mentioned the song, Oh, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. Um, and I also, too, share that same. And I, I had previously for the for the long, uh, the long period of my life, of my childhood into my um, baby adulthood, um, I've always thought of that song to never really completely sit well with me. Um, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see from the Father up above is looking down with love. Love. That's what song says. I forget that. <laughs> and I genuinely share that same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, how how is it that um, God knowing, um, God knowing that we God knowing that we struggle God knowing and he he knows when we we mess up you know in, in all these little moments how is that um how can that sound comforting how can that sound comforting for from for somebody who is like yo I, I probably don't want God knowing I'm doing all these things hmm. you know like how is that comforting how, how both of you like what do you think well I think for me it's comforting because it makes me feel like I'm not alone I feel like in that sense, just like, you know, when you're able to share just with a friend or something like that to, to say, oh, you know, I'm also struggling with this. Not saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, Jesus, you know, he, you know, but, (laughs) but, um, but to know, okay, there is someone who, who, who gets it and it's not just me struggling in this by myself. Mm. I think for me, that's how it's comforting. Uh, I see. That's good. See. Yeah. I think in addition to that, I think sin brings shame. Mm-hmm. And I think shame is the, it's almost like the vehicle that the devil uses to drive us deeper and deeper into sin. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so like sin is a cycle, right? Where mm. I act out, there's guilt, there's shame. God doesn't, he can't accept me, possibly can't love me. I, and so what do I do to, to, to kind of pacify and to ease that feeling? I do it again, and it's more guilt, and it's like a cycle, right? And so to understand that God is aware of the cycle that we're in, and it's not just that God knows, but it's that he knows and he's compassionate. Like, the two kind of go hand in hand. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, I know your issues. It's okay. Like, like hmm. he's not surprised. Yeah. He knows that we are sinful. He knows we are sinners. He knows right. that we are frail, that we are prone to wander. Um, I love the song, Come Thou Fount. Mm -hmm. One of the verses says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Like he knows that. Mm -hmm. He knows. Peter, you're about to to deny me, Mm. right? He knows. Like Mm. he's not caught off guard by our sin. And so for me, that just, okay, if God knows, then I, he knows and he cares. I'm okay with falling in his presence oh. and throwing myself down before him and saying, God, you know, I'm struggling, you know, God help me, yeah. God, you know? Yeah. So in, in a way that like it goes hand in hand with the second point, right? The, you know, God, the all, the image of this all knowing God, um, we're able to kind of perceive it as, um, compa- we're able to perceive it as, um, some of God's compassion coming onto us. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in, in a sense of that, like we're not, um, God's not going to completely condemn us, but there's going to be a sense of um, like, le- like he's, God's going to level with us. Like God's going to be here with us in our low points and God's going to um, give us the compassion, you know, and, and understanding that I don't think any one else can really give, especially mm-hmm. here on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, that's fire. So my, my second, the second thing, right. Um, God has compassion. God won't condemn. Um, um, how, how firmly do you all believe in that statement at this moment? Like, like I'm just genuinely curious, like, like God having compassion on us, you know, you know, in, in this topic of sexual sin, uh, God has compassion and God won't condemn. So what, how firmly do you believe in that statement and, and how, and what's the words y'all use to describe that? I mean, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it because I've seen it. 
Like mm. I've seen God reassure me of his presence. I've seen God reassure me of his plan for my life in spite of like sometimes, and I'm sure we all feel like this. I know I definitely do. Sometimes I feel like, is God still with me? Yeah. Right. Is God's like, like, man, I know my, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing and I'm kind of living my life. And is God still like, does he still involved and still care mm-hmm. about my life? Mm-hmm. And during times like that, when I sincerely ask God and like, and he shows up, it's just like, he still cares about me. Like, mm. and he manifests himself. It could be something simple, but it's just like a reassurance that, you know what, Seth? Yeah, there's like 6 billion people on the planet, but I see you mm. and I know you and I love mm. you and I'm still with you, mm. right? And that to me, I don't know, it just is so reassuring and affirming yeah. to know that God knows and that he has not left me, yeah. you know? Yeah, I like that. I think for me, it's something that I struggled with for a really long time and I don't I do believe it I don't it's not it's not that I don't believe it but it's more of just that second guessing like you're saying of okay how you know how far is too far you know um am I really you know am I like is what I've done really really like forgiven I think for Mm -hmm. me that was that was something that like really weighed really heavily on me Mm -hmm. and so um to your point, I think for me, I had to consciously start asking God to show me that he loved me. Mm. Like you said, in ways that made sense only to me because, and, and also to ask him to open my eyes to that and to say, okay, you know what, God, like show me, you know? Um, and, and when I started looking and when I started asking that, um, that's how I was able to like have that reassurance that he does have compassion. He does love me and he doesn't condemn me. So, so I think you also do have to be intentional about it because God's constantly doing it. But if we're not looking for it, Mm. um, you know, we're not going to see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to see it. Yeah. Wow. I almost feel like God is in heaven looking down upon us in our sin, in our struggle. And what I, the picture I envision is you know, Mufasa looking at Simba, Simba, you know, like here's my child, he's running, he's eating worms, he's eating beetles, he's totally off track and missing, missing his calling, right? Supposed to be king of the jungle, but you're over here, you know, frolicking with these, you know, meerkats when you should be eating them. Like that's, I think God looks at us and he says to us the same, what he said to Mufasa said to Simba, my son, you are more than what you have become. Mm. Like you are more than what you have become. And yeah. I think that when God sees us in our struggle, he looks at us with compassion. He understands you all didn't ask for this, right? We didn't ask to be born into this crazy world. We we inherited it. It was mm-hmm. thrust upon us, yeah. right? And so here we are born into sin, born with these, these propensities and this disposition towards sin, towards sexual sin, towards lying, cheating, whatever it is, these deviants, behaviors. And I think God looks at us and says, you know what? I understand this is not what you asked for, Mm. right? I understand you deserve so much more than this. And I want to let you know that I've given my son for you and that through the power of my, of my son living in you, you can become so much more than what you currently are. And so he looks at us with like, you know, those longing eyes, like you, I believe in you. I believe that you can overcome. And I think we, I think the challenge that you've articulated that I've experienced is do we, are we willing to believe what God believes about us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah, yeah. the point. If you're willing to believe what God believes about you, then I think victory is inevitable. Yeah. Doesn't mean you wow. won't struggle, wow. but victory is inevitable. Right. If you don't believe what God believes about you, then defeat is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. Cause I feel like for me, that's exactly what happened. It was once I accepted that, it was so much easier not to give into temptation because I was like, well, you know, I am like, I am worthy of saying no, you know? And so I think that's like really, really important. Wow. Um, and going to the last point, um, I just kind of just want to hear your, your, your genuine, your personal thoughts on it. It was just the, um, you know, our closer proximity with God can help us alleviate of our sexual sin. Um, and so like, what how what's like your final thoughts as, as we close on you know understanding and realizing that you know the, the closer in proximity right that that we are with God um, that um, 
you know, th- the, the, the sin of, in this case, the sexual sin that we struggle with will um, be more easier to handle. What's your final thoughts um, as, we, as we close today? Um, I think, yeah, I think very much what you, what you kind of already said to echo that is, is just when I spend time with Jesus, yeah. he changes me. Like, and I think I, I, I use it like, I know you guys know, like I'm newly married. Um, and so Congratulations. I, <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah. I noticed <laughs> with my relationship with my husband, even prior to when we were married, we started like, ha- like adopting each other's like little things that we would do. So right. like things he would say, I started saying and right. vice versa right. or like things, ways that we would operate. We started sinking together. And so I feel like in your relationship with God, it's very much like your relationship with people Mm. in that if you start spending more time with him and getting to know his character, your heart is going to change to be more like his. Mm. And I think, I mean, it says that all over the Bible, Mm -hmm. but that's like my metaphor for when I, when I picture it. And so I feel like for me, when I'm spending more time with God, those fruits of the spirit come up more in my life. And so for me in sexual sin, I think it would be self-control. That's why I said it, because that's, I think for me, the fruit of the spirit that most directly impacts my ability to give in or not. Mm. And so I think for me, that would be probably just to sum it up. You know, when I spend time with God, he changes me and I become more like him. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thank you. That's good. I want to, I want to answer that question with a couple questions first, (laughs) and this is going to be like guy talk. So I know Celeste is here, but uh, this is guy talk. I want to know at what point does, does that five-year-old, and I'm talking about to someone who's has some level of emotional health, right? I'm not talking about pedophiles, right? Yeah, yeah. But someone who is there, right? At what point does that five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old become the object of your lust? Hmm. At what age do they transition? Is it when they go through puberty, right? And so now then they go through puberty, now you look at this person and it's like, oh man, look at her curves or her shapes. And is that now what arouses you? But before puberty, it wasn't there. Or maybe it's when she's, okay, 17, so she's not legal, but now she's 18 and she's mm-hmm. now legal. Mm-hmm. And so because now she's legal, it's like, oh, wow, look at this person. Like at what point, are you, are you following me? Like at what point does that, does that transition happen when you can see a young woman who is innocent and then a few years pass and you look at her and now she becomes an object Ooh. to satisfy your lust? Ooh, yeah. Right. yeah, I'd yeah. like to know too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, even just ask a little bit differently, at what point do you go from seeing your literal sister, you have a sister, I have three sisters, at what point do I go from seeing my literal biological sister as my sister to now she is someone I want to have sex with? At what point does that happen? Well, for the average man, it never happens. You never look at your sister and say, man, I would like to get that. Mm. Right. Or you would never, I would think, masturbate to your sister. You would not do it. Right. Even if your sister was like drop. I mean, she, your sister's good, good looking. My sister's good looking. But like, even if she was like the, the finest, you know, person on the planet, like at no point would a, would the average man want to do that with his sister in mind. So, so if we don't do that with our sister in mind, right then why do we do that with our sisters in Christ in mind? Yeah. Mm, or we, why do we do that okay. with other other women, that's right. right? We've clearly created categories yeah. where we said, okay, this is a child, so that's not appropriate, right? This is my sister, so that's not appropriate. This yeah. is my mom, so that's not appropriate. But you, oh, I, I, I can objectify you, mm. right? And so my, to answer your question, how does this closeness to God actually change? My, my prayer as I'm spending time with God is, God, help me to see these women as my sisters, mm. help me to see mm. these these women, whether it's the, on TV, celebrities, whoever these these women are yeah. that are that are tempting me or causing me to you know want to stumble into this thing. Help me to see them as I look at my sister, mm. because I'm definitely not masturbating off to my sister. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not happening, right? I'm definitely not looking at my sister lustfully. Like, oh man, I wish I could get that. 
right? Mm. And I want, I, and so I guess at the heart of it, it's I want my perspective to change. And yeah. I think that's what God desires of us, yeah. that he gives us new eyes and wow. new hearts yes. so that when I see someone, whether it's on the internet, whether it's in a magazine, whether it's on a, you know, a, 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 a raunchy television show, whether it's on a, you know, a movie, when I see them, I don't see an object to satisfy my own sexual urges, but I see my sister right. in Christ. That's right. right. And I will treat her accordingly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And like ultimately that's, you know, that, that perspective is just how, you know, how God is seeing us, right? Like exactly. as his children, you know? Yep. And so. And I don't, I don't think we're going to get that. I don't think we get there outside of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think to Celeste's point, it's like the more time you spend with God, God shows you your self-worth. Right. And he gives you like, no, you you are a child of God. You are a woman of God. You yeah. are a man of God. I I ha- I can say no. And your mm-hmm. own value as an individual raises so that you don't become so you don't feel like you have to be used by men or used by women or use them to satisfy your self-image. But in addition to that, not only does when you spending time with God, does God inform you of who you really are, but then by you spending time with God, God informs you of who they are. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, God, I am a, a, a child of God and they are a child of God. Yeah. That's why you can, when you spend time with God, you just can't drive by that homeless person, right? You just can't see that person who's in need and ignore them. Mm. You just can't just, you know, live your life totally self-centered because you see like, these are people that God has placed me in proximity to because he wants me to believe. These are, these are people that God died for. Mm. So what now is my relationship to them? Mm. You know? oh. And so it's, it's a heart, image, mind change yeah. that I think is the result of you spending time with God. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Seth. Um, thank you for those last few words. And again, just thank you, Celeste. Um, appreciate both of your guys' honesty and mm-hmm. transparency today. Um, and I'm really, I'm very thankful for everyone who's listening and watching right now. Um, we hope that in some way um, this has been spiritually enriching for you. Um, um, and um, yeah, this is going to be, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where where the recall takes us. Um, continuing conversation, getting back to the word, um, and mind you, conversations that be honest and hopefully effective mm. and productive in your own spiritual growth um, and in your own walk. So um, again, we just want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. If you guys have any questions, comments, um, whether there were things that you really loved or enjoyed or things that you probably really didn't love or enjoy and you want to question us more about it um Mm. please 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 comment comment on the platforms um you know give us some questions um or maybe it's things that you're just you want us to hear us talk about please let us know we'd love to hear more feedback um and uh last thing is I, i i encourage that whoever's watching that you send this out to you know people who you think want might want to hear this conversation. So please send and share this video. Um, I think it would be great to include other people and it doesn't even have to be people from our own church community into this conversation. So I encourage that. Um, we encourage that. And um, yeah, we just cannot wait for you guys, for, for us to have another time to talk again on The Recall. So without further ado, thank you. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Bye.